Right on. So this is part two. This is night two of the North, of the New Columbia Movement Southeast Chapter Retreat 2022. We got new guests here. You guys want to introduce yourselves? Uh, my name's Jeff. I'm actually an interloper. <laughs> I'm one of the two carpet baggers down here in Reading, Dixie. I'm up from New York. Down from New York. Yankee. Mm, that's right. Like we got a we got a yank in our presence. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> so uh, I'm Jack. I am from good old South Kakalaki, good old Southern boy, and I'll be uh, talking to you tonight, buddy. Love it. Do you guys want to share like um, a couple minutes of like your testimonies? So, for me, I was born and raised uh, Catholic. And what I learned a few years ago was called the Novus Ordo, uh, which is fine, but uh, it was also, you know, looking back, we didn't use the term boomer back then in a pejorative. It was just other baby boomers, but it's definitely a boomer church. Um, <laughs> so I was always going, you know, just like that, that's what you do on Sunday. And you, you know, tell jokes about priests and stuff like that. Uh, it was about... Four years ago, I started attending a Latin Mass after a brief uh, introduction to Greek Orthodoxy, because the main thing I was missing was a Christianity for men. Um, yeah. Most of the churches I was going to, the, the preacher was effeminate, the sermon was for women, and I'm like, this is not for me, and also this isn't biblical. Um, so I knew a guy who taught uh, uh, religion Start going to his church because uh, he's also a, a minister in the Orthodox. Um, then I found out about Latin Mass near me. I started going to that, and that was exactly what I wanted. It was biblically based. It was true, uh, and it was beautiful. You know, if you ever been to a Latin Mass, you know what I mean. Um, I'd have a look back. Love it. All right. Well, uh, I was raised Protestant, Baptist, um, went to a private Christian school, and then I went to a public high school and realized just how essentially non-invasive or, or like weak the Christian faith was in the public sphere, and I realized how bad that was going to be for my kids and for me in the immediate future, and uh, decided that I wanted to get involved in a Christian community and in a Christian fraternity get online, look for exactly that, and find none other than the, uh, the New Columbia Movement. Some great guys. And uh, currently, maybe not so popular among our more Protestant or Reformed listeners, but uh, currently looking to convert to Catholicism. Um, theologically the most sound church. Going to have to go ahead and take that hot take and throw it in here. But, uh, you know, that's about it for me. Only 19, so don't have too much to say. <laughs> yeah. Um... Awesome. Well, uh, who and where will you guys be in the year 2030? Probably eight years from now. In the woods. Yeah. <laughs> Scavenging in the fallout of what's to yeah, come. Exactly. Well, that's a good answer. I like that answer. Uh, that's maybe going to be Plan B. Yeah. <laughs> uh, plan A. So I'm a little yep. bit older than, than Jack. I'm in my mid 40s, and um, you know, I've, I've I've had a lot of life already. I've lived quite a few different ways. Um, what's been obvious to me is that living in any way other than a Christ-centered and holy way is an abysmal failure. It's just a matter of
time at that point. So, so what I've got on my mind right now is um, staying with the NCM, New Columbia Movement, and building this out. Um, and I, I kind of seriously, half seriously, half joking, say, uh, NCM Monastery, NCM Monastery, because I want to homestead and you know build that out. So whatever it ends up being, you know, I think building is the key, and I think building in Jesus' name is the key. Love that. Well, um, so we might overlap topics, so feel free, whatever we, we talked about last night, feel free to give your opinions on it. Don't feel like you can't talk about it because it was already said. Yeah, but uh, any, any okay. um, but what, it, what is a man and what is a woman? A uh, man is a leader, a woman is a follower. Most basic like terminology possible. Um, the man, I mean, I really can't say it much more uh, simply than that. The man is is the leader. He is to decide and to, you know, make decisions for his family and to provide for them and to care for them. And uh, his wife is his complement. His wife is, you know, I mean, submissive to him, but also he is incomplete without her. I mean, marriage in itself is a union of two people into one. And so, you know, ultimately both are equally dignified, but, you know, I mean, the man leads, leads the woman. That's, that's about it. I feel like this is an unfair question. I don't have a biology degree. Yeah. <laughs> Not a biologist. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, you know, I, 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 we were actually talking about this earlier today, me and Jack, on the, on the uh, hike we did. Um, and, you know, th these are important words because they have uh, a quality to them that assumes a maturity level. And Jack gave a good answer. You know, we can say male and female um, is the prerequisite. Uh, but a phrase I like is uh, a woman just is and a man must become, which is only semi-true. A man must become. You have to go from boy to man. And per plenty of people uh, remain uh, male boys, you know, until they die because they don't come into that maturity. Um, never thought I would see the case that that's women. But it's happening with girls too. You know, they, they go their whole life. What is it? They, uh, uh, you know, we saw some things today that made me think about this. They end up being, oh, I'm a cat mom, I'm a dog mom. Like, <laughs> how about being a mom? Yeah. Uh, um, that's when you can be a woman. So, uh, yeah, man is, is, is definitely the leader, the woman is the follower. Um, but they have to come into that maturity. And, and that's, that's reality. And then we can get to Christianity beyond that. Which is that's that should be you know, the case as well. That's another element to it. Right on. And are men failing women today? Unequivocally, yes. <laughs> There's not really much debate there. Men are yeah. overwhelmingly weak, effeminate, and, and bad at being men right now, which is not good. Yeah, I, I, I agree 100%. I, you know, we can elaborate in the ways that they're failing. Uh, but the the whole culture right now is it's you know again I kind of go back to vocabulary issues like well there's not that many men so the men that are there are <laughs> yeah but these adult males are complete you know they're they're not even failing women they're failing their own mothers God's sake yeah yeah it's it's not looking so good for the home team 
Jack, when you talk. Pull it a little closer. Yeah, there we go. Beautiful. Um, well, so that being said, how do we rebuild the men? Or how do we rebuild the males that failed to become men? Lead them, right? Become better men ourselves. Ultimately, yeah. it's, it's totally hierarchical, right? You have to have strong men at the top to have strong men at the bottom. And without strong men at the top, and without the proper trickle down there, you're never going to have enough strong men for it to matter. So, you know, you've got to have strong role models, and you've got to then spread masculinity through person to person contact, essentially. You know? Or, uh, as we like to call it, through uh, contact tracing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I th- yeah, I think men really don't react well to uh, the soft self-messaging uh, because they kind of internalize and they say, oh, okay, well, I guess it's okay, I could be this way, but then there's that angst that's always in them. Uh, but then they also don't respond well because most men are pretty stubborn. When I first hear a message, they're just being told what to do. So one of the things the New Columbia Movement is all about is fraternity. And an element of that is, you know, we get together in real life and then we're role models to each other. Uh, none of us are perfect. We're not thinking that we are. But each one of us, because we're at different points in our journey, is showing each other how to be more of a man. And of course, you can always find them. Um, you know, we live in the inverted world, and it's pretty easy to say, well, whatever, you know, the, the role models that are held up by, you know, mainstream media or, or Hollywood or whatever like that are the opposite of what you want to be. Uh, feminism is easy, it's pablum, it's sugar. The hard way is hard for a reason. But the hard way becomes easier, and the easy way now becomes harder. Yeah, I like to use the phrase righteous masculinity because I feel like it's a it's a two part component. You have to first embrace your man, like you were born this way by God to have this body and to serve these functions and these purposes. And there's no escaping that. You can become a beta male. You can become a male. You can stay a boy. To become a man, you have to embrace like who you are physically, but then spiritually, you have to then be righteous. And I think you have to have both to truly be like an effective male, <laughs> like a powerful person and like achieving the destiny that God has for you. You have to have both components. And I feel like a lot of people kind of either go one or the other. You have to be righteous. And that means, you know, love this effeminate Jesus and sing your worship love songs that are basically <laughs> written for women with Jesus replaced them. You know, it's like, yeah, be righteous, which means to most Christians in America today, most churches, it's like be effeminate as a man, be, be restrained, be held down, be restricted in what you do. Or it's the flip side. It's like this manosphere, like be man, be a man, eat meat, lift weights, you know, and believe in only yourself. Like there is no God, you know, like, I really think it's a two part problem. It's you have to be righteous and you have to be masculine. And that is like a real man. And anything else is just a male or it's a boy who hasn't become what he was meant to be. And the phrase I always too like to use in this like whole context or like similar topics is yet because there's always a yet. Okay. Yeah. You're a beta male right now, but what about five years from now? You still have the chance to overcome. You still have the chance to like repent and like become the person you were created to be. It's never a too far gone situation for me. 
So I love that. Yeah. <laughs> so I like to really drive home that phrase, righteous masculinity, because I do think it's a spiritual and a physical problem. It's not one or the other. Totally righteous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I would like to echo, though, that I think uh, eating meat and building your muscles is awesome. So true. Oh, yeah. Doing that. Absolutely. But, I mean, that is. It's like I, I'll listen to these Manosphere guys because it's like, yeah, they are really making males masculine good keep it up and then it's like okay like also you know there's a lot of churches out there that are making people righteous okay good but like we need both you can't have one or the other and yeah i feel like i mean i'm, I'm talking to everyone here catholic but i'm talking like broader picture america not everyone's catholic and a lot of these churches that aren't are weak and effeminate and the culture is very like don't say that don't put don't you know you're not allowed to go that far with your opinions you're not allowed to speak up you know you're supposed to focus on the compassion part of jesus and not the logical part of jesus not the yeah it's a misunderstanding of the word meek as a misuse of the word meek meek is not weak yeah meek is being humble before god yeah Absolutely. You know, we uh, we had a great experience at church today. They had some some interesting questions they laid out. You know, we're going to this local church. None of us belong to it, but it was a very good experience. And you know, those kinds of questions that they were asking were, you know, the theme of it is, um, you know, what are you finding that God is showing that's beautiful, and then what are the challenges, and what are the signs that the Holy Spirit is giving you? And part of being righteous is always looking for that path that is being differentiated. For you, there's a Christly path. It's a godly path, but there's a uniqueness to it in that it's a path that's your yours to follow. And of course, you can reject it. You can not look for it. But then, once when we see the the um, as C.S. Lewis called them the men without chests, by which uh, when he said chest, he meant passion. Um, when we see them when they're not even interested in walking that go- that godly path and not looking for it, and they're this is, you know, the modern phrase, I think, is the NPC. There's not right, there, yeah. and, and they're parroting whatever they hear, whatever their friends hear. They go to their, their job. They go home. They uh, masturbate. Whether it's mentally or physically, they're doing both. There's nothing righteous or masculine about any of that. Yeah. So do one, do the other, but then do both. I like yeah. the phrase. That's really good. I don't have much to add there. So. <laughs> right on. Yeah, the theme of tonight is I'm always right, by the way, so. <laughs> yeah. Um, is comfort good for us? No. Absolutely not. Comfort is the antithesis of progress. If you are comfortable in your surroundings or in any particular manner, you need to change that quickly because you're probably not doing anything good for yourself. You're probably backsliding in that situation. Yeah. I have a lot of friends who will talk about how comfortable they've made themselves through their successes, and I'm like, big man, you are actively backsliding right now. You are addicted to pornography and weed. Stop, <laughs> Stop yeah. making yourself comfortable. Start getting really uncomfortable, and you'll be a lot better for it. Yes. Uncomfortable every day in a few different ways. 
you know, you lift weight, you're going to be uncomfortable. Like, I really enjoy it. I do. Um, but it's stressful while you're doing it. I hate running. We talked about that today, too. But I do it because I think there's an element to it that is useful, but I hate the whole, all of it. But, you know, uh, those moments of discomfort bring it to a higher level that you can actually be even more uncomfortable and have better moments of comfort when you look for those. And uh, if, you're, if all you're seeking is comfort all the time, you're probably going to die young full of drugs. <laughs> yeah. At the end of the day, discomfort, like you said, is a means to an end. And I don't necessarily think that that, that end is comfort. I think that that end is achievement. Right? Discomfort, like I said, is the ant- or comfort, sorry, is the antithesis of progress. Discomfort is the vehicle of progress. Right? If you're antisocial and awkward, then the best thing you can do is shove yourself into a social situation and make yourself less awkward. That's the only way to do it. Right? Exposure therapy. You have to make yourself absolutely uncomfortable to get better. It's that simple. Yep. Is suffering good for us? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, that yeah. Exactly to, like, discomfort. I think we could have just switched out um, suffering for discomfort there, because that's that's exactly what it is. Like, you have to put yourself through the suck in order to achieve anything decent, worthwhile, or, or good. So. Yeah, um, it's a word I always struggle with trying to remember. I always tell people, "What's that M word?" You know, it's the M word. It means suffering. Monkeypox. Monkey. <laughs> Monkeypox. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> M word, yeah. I, I didn't know we M word box is what we're saying. This. Uh, well, mortification is a virtue, and there's a lot of ways you can do it. You know, in Lent, you're supposed to go without certain things. You know, the sort of simplistic way of doing it is like, what do you like? And you got to give it up for Lent. Um, but when you when you mortify, you can't just be suffering. This is the important thing is like, because there'll be people who, who really try to, to show you, oh, I'm suffering, All right? Look at me, I'm so righteous. You have to suffer for God and you have to internalize it. You can't show people how humble you are. Um, it's a way of self-aggrandizing. And so, you know, I, I like fasting. I think that's a good one. It's also good for your health. Um, but the, as a way of mortification, um, you know, it, it, all the kinds of different things, they are suffering, but then you have to do it for the for the holy reason, not to s- show that you're suffering. Right, I mean, if you advertise the fact that you're just putting yourself through it, then you're not really putting yourself through it, you're putting yourself through it to, to get some form of gratification, right? I mean, that's nothing more than essentially an attempt at, at social media access or something. Like, that's, that's actually something I'm talking about. Um, Bodybuilding is something that I'm relatively interested in. And when there are so many people talking about how they're so beat up in the gym, and then they go and they post a shirtless picture online, like they thought post online or something, I have nothing to say to those people. If you go online and you can do nothing more than essentially aggrandize your own physique or, or aggrandize what you put yourself through, then you're not putting yourself through anything. You're just, I don't know, filling a market. You're, you're wasting your time because you're doing nothing more than... than idolizing yourself and it's it's foolish so instead of that put yourself through it and then don't talk to anybody about it put yourself through it and just allow the essentially the reward that you're going to get from that to 
reward you naturally. It's, it's I don't know. That's, that's all I got. I mean, people will notice too. If you start lifting um, and start eating right, exercising, that sort of thing, uh, and you let a year or two go by and you don't tell anybody about it, people will be like, hey man, you look great. Like, what have you been doing? And you say, you know, I'm living right with Christ. That's what I'm doing. Exactly right. Exactly right. Because if you go into it and you're talking about it and you're like, yeah, I'm doing this, that, and the other, you'll go three, four months, you won't see the results, you won't get the compliments, and you'll give up. And I've done that more times than I can remember. And I finally, not too long ago, figured out, okay, I need to stop doing it for anyone other than myself and for God. I lift for Jesus. End of story. Yeah, so let's uh, let's talk about these shirts you guys have on. Okay. What's what's well, up with these shirts you guys have on? What's the origin and and why is why are they s- superior to other shirts? Well, this is a, a, a secret cabal organized within New Columbia movement <laughs> and independent of each other. Correct. We just discovered tonight that we both share the most terrifying vision of the future Correct. that you will all bow to. Indeed. You want to call it out? Ladies and gentlemen, we believe in tropical Chad supremacy. If you're not wearing a tropical shirt, you're not allowed in the uh, what the shirt no state. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The SQ is going to be tackled yeah. tonight. The shirt. Other usher. prominent members would include the uh, the bounce or what the uh, the usher at our Catholic church this morning. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I was gonna yeah. <laughs> yeah. Also, George W. Bush. <laughs> so I'm not gonna lie. So when he when he walked in. So I'm Catholic ignorant. I've been up to that was my fourth Catholic mass I've ever been to, and every time I've been to one, it's been like a very big like cathedral, right? Like a there'll, big one. There'll there'll be more. So like we we walk in, it's like beautiful, it's a beautiful little chapel. Everyone's like praying. I'm like, okay, great. Like we're about to you know getting ready, and this guy in a Hawaiian shirt walks in and starts lighting candles, and I literally was like, is this the priest? And I was like, I don't think this is the priest. Like what is he doing? I didn't understand that, you know. So that was kind of funny. I was kind of like in like shock. I was like, uh. Yeah. <laughs> no, that that was, that was special. It was. Um, <laughs> you, no, you're right because typically, a Catholic church is laid out. You know, architecturally, it's laid out as a cross. This was just like a one room schoolhouse had been converted, something like that. Still, you know, beautiful little uh, church. Uh, we had a base mass. They did a little Latin. It wasn't a Latin mass. The order is totally different. Everything. Um, but you know, when you start seeing these Hawaiian shirts in Catholic churches, now you're going to wonder, is that part of the tropic chat? Oh man. Is that like the basest of churches? That's right. That's super based. In the next 10 years, a uh, Hawaiian shirt will be like mandatory wear underneath your suit (laughs) coat. That's right. So you better look out because everybody's going to be embracing the tropical Chad supremacy. I'm talking to you, Florida. You must wear it under your plates and your, right. <laughs> your tactical gear. That's exactly right. Your Gucci gear. In 2030, I'll be fighting commies in the woods wearing a tropical shirt. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> we'll have the New Columbia Movement textile division. Correct. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. Um, 
should men be emotional? So you're going to have emotions, right? As like a physical flawed human being, but should men be emotional? Like, like emote, like women? Cause that, sure. that's going to be a no for me, dog. What do you, <laughs> yeah. No, uh, you know, you're, yeah, we're not robotic. Um, but we are now the Stoics, uh, are an interesting group. They are pagans. Um, but a lot of how Catholic men and Christian men throughout the Bible are supposed to behave is stoic. You feel your feelings, you accept it, and then what? You do your duty. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's right. I mean, you know, I think the Stoics Good maybe enough. took it a little too far in saying that you're never supposed to show emotion. You can show emotion to people you trust and, and specifically to people who you don't necessarily lead, right? I think you can show emotion to authority, and I think you can show emotion to God. And I think that's pretty much where it should stop. And, right, I don't mean authority and, like, you know, the principal at your school. I mean, like, you know, maybe your father or a brother or something like that. Someone you consider, you know, very trustworthy and very close to you. But not, you know, maybe not your wife and definitely not your kids. And, yeah, probably definitely not your wife. (laughs) And, uh, (laughs) you know, just keep it, keep it, you know, close to the vest, essentially. Because that's not... There's no power in, in, in being emotional, right? Emotions are an unfortunate consequence of human weakness, essentially. So maybe that's a little bit robotic, but that's kind of how I view emotion. Yeah. You know, we can tie it back a little bit to, um, you know, learning to be uncomfortable or mortifying because when you don't feel good because you're mortifying let's say you're fasting really easy example you start feeling hungry if you're emotional you get what the kids are calling not kids like jack i mean like effeminate little he's well on his way they call it hangry like you don't get to be emotional just because you want to eat something that's not a man thing to do I got emotional every time I wanted to eat something. I would uh, always be emotional. Yeah. I'm a big old fella, and I I like eating. It's good, but and sometimes you got to not eat so you can also like not look terrible. So you're on your strength journey, which means lots of calories. True. Well, not right now. I'm I'm in a recomp, so I gotta okay. I gotta maintain, not gain. But we're back on the gain train come fall. No worries. Gain train. Got some new vocab for you, Jeff. Yeah. Yeah. All right, all right, all right. I hope so. I'm pretty sure. (laughs) Scrap all this audio. It's totally okay. (laughs) I think maybe the first 20 minutes I'm going to have to tweak and adjust. And uh, if you're listening right now and you're like, man, those first 20 minutes were bad, uh, I think I messed up. But, uh, or maybe if you're listening, those first 20 minutes were golden, and everything else yeah. is yeah. terrible. <laughs> Sorry, that was <laughs> that like, was Sean, sec- What sec- are you doing? Secret knowledge. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, is hatred a good thing? Hmm. Oh, that's a good question. That is a really good question because there's a lot out there that that probably should be hated. Right. Yeah. There's a lot out there that deserves to be hated. I, I do, in fact, hate the Antichrist. I'll say that. Yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, it's a really complex question that I, I'm just not well read enough to really give a great answer. I can give a kind of an answer. And that is 
we're certainly not called to love everything. And I say everything and not everyone, because we aren't called love everyone. And love is not always kind. But love is love, right? And, and I certainly don't mean that in the liberal sense of homosexuality being acceptable, right? Because it's, it's yeah. not. It's very much not. <laughs> but what I do mean is that love is often, especially when someone is acting in an unlovely sense, is very forceful. And I'm actually, I'm currently reading um, was it? Shoot. on Resistance to Evil by Force. By book, and I certainly suggest everyone read it. I'm in chapter five right now. Um, it essentially addresses the proper role of a Christian in a time of conflict that's not necessarily addressed by the state, right? So not like a big war. It's essentially like, you know, societal revolution and cultural battles like the one we're fighting right now. You have to be willing to address that which is evil with force, which will often be labeled or described as hateful, regardless of how it is meant. So... You know, oftentimes, like, a, a parent must spank their child through, you know, to discipline them. That's not hate, that's force. The expression of, of love through force is still love. But hate, like I said, I'm just not, you know, not quite there on that. So. Yeah, it's an interesting word. You know, Jack said a lot of good things that I agree with. Um, words like love and hate get overused to the point where somebody will say they love shrimp tempura or something like that or hate liver uh like well that's that's you know colloquial use that's clearly inappropriate it's if hate's an emotion i think it's probably bad but if hate is is the antithesis of love and you know people use that word too because i do hate the antichrist but i think he uses our hate when it's an emotion so if it's more of an objective, this is something that you should always reject, kind of a use of the word, then it's probably okay. But at the same time, I would say maybe there's a better word we could find. So if you mean it, like, is hate the emotion useful or good? Or I would say when you when you notice it cropping up, maybe try to reform it into being something that, you know, Jack had an example of, you know, using force because you love somebody. Like, if you hate their behavior, look for ways that you could shape it. Because if it's your child, that's your business. If it's your friend, then, you know, you got to try to make it your business to an extent possible. Sometimes you do have to walk away. But, you know, you're going to see your friends. Maybe you got a friend from, from you know, your, your youth, for example, starts doing drugs. And you hate them when they do drugs. What, what, you, what, you, what you really hate is the drugs. You got to take your effort yeah. because you love your friend. Um, so I think being careful that way. But largely, I would I would say I agree with what Jack is saying on that. Yeah. <clears throat> My view is like um, so. First John is, I think, I go back and forth between Luke, which was the gospel I read that really truly broke it to me that like, I need Jesus. <laughs> like I, you know, and. It, the main theme is repentance, right? So, like, as someone who was just a born and raised degenerate non-believer, that to me was the first time I was like, I need a savior and I have one. Like, here he is. And repentance and forgiveness is a good theme. First John might be my favorite book because it's like how the church should be structured and how Christians should fellowship with each other. And it's like practical 
okay, now you're a Christian, now you're a believer, what do you do? And the two big themes that John loves to harp on, he harps on a big in First John, is light and love. Those are like the core tenets for, and I could rant all day about John. I love John of Patmos, right? I think, you know, he was the one that Jesus loved the most. He was the one that Jesus was closest to. He's writing as a man who like spent a, at least a year, if not years, with the little living, breathing, walking Jesus, right? His, in his gospel is really beautiful. Yeah. yeah. And so light and love seems to be maybe the most important things, if those are the most important things to him. Um, and so then what's the opposite? Right. So like, what's the satanic inversion of that? It's hatred and darkness. And I don't see those as like, like necessarily opposing forces. I see those as like the absence of what's good. Right. So like darkness isn't necessarily a thing. It's just the absence of light. And like hatred isn't necessarily a thing. It's just the absence of love. And so like, it's tricky and it's all kind of wordplay too right at the same time like our english words are kind of like almost imperfect to have this discussion but like to me hatred is just like i don't love sin so like technically i hate sin right i hate the antichrist like because i have no love for him um but if you want to use it as like more of like an anger conflict like you're seeking revenge and you're trying to Mm -hmm. like act against it i don't think you can act in hatred like as a christian i think it's just you have hatred because you have an absence of a love for evil. So that's kind of my interpretation. I don't know if I'm wrong. Or I tend to agree with that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's certainly a good explanation of it, yeah. Yep. I should say that we're sitting here in the dark with some light happening. Got a nice yeah. fire going. <laughs> so. That's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Um, there's another point I was going to make, but I forgot it. So I guess it wasn't a good point. Oh, all right. Um, <laughs> um, do you have fear and anger? Yeah. And or anger. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, I mean, they're largely unavoidable unless you take the proper, you know, perspective. And that would be the Christian's per- perspective. But it's impossible to always maintain a Christian perspective. So, of course, yeah. I mean, fear and anger are, are the natural responses to an evil and, and disgusting world. So, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I have less than I ever used to. Um, People are going to think I'm nihilistic when I say this or something like that. But I used to plan multiple years in advance. Like, here's what I, you know, uh, will be doing this time. And let me think about that for a while. And now I'm actually on a day-to-day basis. Um, I've got an overall structure, you know, goals that I'm heading towards. But I never think one or two years down the road, um, because I don't have fear of one or two years down the road anymore. I used to think I need to plan. So my career, it was very materialistic. In fact, it was like, my career has got to be on path. So I'm making X dollars in two years and I don't have to worry about, you know, um, you know, tying it back to comfort and mortification. I don't have to worry that I won't have a comfortable place to sleep in two years. It was important to me. I love sleep. I do to be honest. <laughs> Sleep uh, nationalist <laughs> in my Hawaiian sleep, shirt. Sleep supremacy. Uh, yeah. Um, but as I got closer and closer to living every day with a view to, you know, a, a faith life primarily, and I can pray every day. I, you know, anyone can just call on God. I say as Catholics, we have very formal prayers 
but everyone's got the ability to say, God, I need you and use some words. Um, and the more and more I've done that, the less and less anger and fear I have to the point where the reason I'm not thinking more than day to day is because I don't feel like I need to. Yes, I'm still working hard. I've got goals that I'm working on and just developing myself. But what am I developing myself for and what are those goals are completely different? Um, you know, we, we talked a lot this weekend about some very base dudes. For example, the Desert Fathers uh, were minimalists. Uh, you yourself talked about your minimalism, uh, which is pretty epic. And, and, and being less and less attached to the material world leads to less and less anger and fear, at least for me. Yep. Yeah, I'm kind of a tricky spot with that. Um, like I said, I'm 19. I'm about to go to college. And, you know, as, as unbased as that is, I know I'm going for agriculture. So. <laughs> Cringe. Yeah, exactly. I'm going for agriculture, so hopefully I'll get something useful out of it. It is, it's concerning, right? I mean, it's, it's, you know, two to four years of my life that I'm having to essentially plan out every step in, and it really, it causes lots of anxiety and fear and all that. But at the same time, I mean, it's, it's easy because I am a Christian. It's easy because I know God's got the plan. God's got me figured out. God's, you know, God's got me. I'm, I'm good, you know, but it's still hard to, you know, it's hard to actually apply that right and and to ease myself with that because i know that maybe god's plan is really hard maybe god's plan is that everything is going to go really wrong and i'm going to have to be really really disc like uncomfortable i'm going to have to suffer for a long time but even then light at the end of the tunnel suffering breeds strength suffering is a good thing so no matter what i know i'm going to end up in a better spot than if i was to just like avoid it all and, and choose comfort and choose like a quick and easy life uh you know i mean i'm in a good spot no matter what but it's still there right that fear is always going to be there that fear is still lingering you know so i mean the when it comes to you know suffering and you're worried about maybe christ that has god has that in order for you know there is a book of job lest we forget right there's that <laughs> but i'd like to just offer one quick tangent um one of the things that i think about a lot is you know, we talk about building parallel society, building parallel economy, not just in the New Columbia movement, but that's become a, a very common theme, at least in the, the people that I interact with. Jack going to school for agriculture. We've got a lot of different guys in the movement and a lot of pe people I know that are different stages of an educational path that we've got a real problem here in the sense that you shouldn't have to go to college to learn most of these things. And agriculture is one of them. You should have what we are missing here and what we'd like to bring back is this culture of apprenticeship uh, and, and, and journeyman and a master. Yep. You know, there's a hierarchy to it. It's, it's a beautiful thing, but it's this very natural passing down, not only of skills, because that is important skill set, but also a way to be because you went from your family and then you got apprenticed out. And sometimes your, your father was your master for your profession as well, but often not. And you learned other ways that men were, and I do mean men now in, in a proper sense, and how they live their lives. And you go learn to be a cobbler um, and many other skills. And you might, in fact, in order to cobble, you might end up being a tanner as well. And now you've got a multitude of skills in which you can participate fully in a village. You know, you're cobbler, tanner, and maybe you also have some, some shepherding going on because it's fully participating human. You know, one of the problems we have here is we're very specialized. 
So when I hear he's yeah. going to, to college for this or that, you know, egg culture and everything like that, I'm always thinking, hey, is that something that we could just teach naturally? You know, I, don't, I don't know if there's still the, the case, but even as, as far back as just 10 years ago, or as nearly back as 10 years ago, there were still two states in the union, and I think California was one of them, where you could uh, bypass the law school, work with a lawyer, and just what they call challenge the bar. Uh, and as long as you pass the bar, you didn't need a law degree to practice law. That's a very interesting concept because all it means is, hey, if, if the test is good enough to say, yep, you're, you can do this thing, then why do we need all that prior stuff? Why can't I just, now, I'm going to, this is not controversial for any of your hearers, but if some normie hears this, Abraham Lincoln was a terrible president, a lot of questions about his background. But one thing that I liked that he uh, uses you know, him as a model that many of the people did that back then is he just read law books and became a lawyer that way. Now, that's about the only good thing that he did. I'll go with that. Um, yeah. And grow a beard. That beard was A+. He, plus. You know, he needed a mustache to go with the beard. That Amish-looking yeah. thing was yeah. no good. Yeah, still a good beard. You know the story? Okay, the beard is solid. The story behind it's it was yeah. he didn't have a, a facial hair. Really? And apparently yeah. on his, like, on a train platform, I might be getting the story wrong, I'm pretty sure this is what happened, but, like, on a train platform going to D.C. to, like, accept the nomination as president, a little girl came up and said, like, you should grow a beard. And he was like, okay, I will. <laughs> and he grew a beard. And, like, it yeah. took a little girl for him to be, like, realize he needed to become a man, you know? Super, <laughs> super base president, five-year-old girl leading him in his facial hair. <laughs> Right. Little girl's like, hey, bro, where's your beard? <laughs> oh, yeah, why you're right. You, why do you look like you haven't eaten in three years? Like, what's <laughs> going on? <laughs> yeah. um, so similarly, kind of what we're going off of, too, is do you truly trust God's plan more than your own? Yes. I spend most of my faith time trying to figure out what it is. Um, you know, it came up a little bit at church today, in fact, some questions afterwards. And just the hardest part about knowing God's, or, uh, you know, following God's plan is discerning it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, this was something, as you alluded to, uh, our brother Peyton, he talked about this this morning, as was asked, um, essentially declaring that he believes there are three kinds of plans. There's Satan's plan, which is obviously evil. There's man's plan, which is somewhere in between, and there's God's plan, which is ultimately good. And it's really... Most of the time, it's pretty easy to tell what the devil's plan is, right? Because it's going to be really bad for you, and it's going to lead you to comfort, and it's going to lead you to essentially degradation. It's really hard to tell the difference sometimes, most of the time. If you're leading a godly life, it's going to be harder and harder for you to tell the difference between your own plan and God's plan, hopefully. That's kind of the idea, right? But you never, you're never fully sure what God's plan is, so you just really got to hope. You got you to read your Bible. You got to make sure you're going to church. And you got to listen to church fathers and you got to get the right idea of what God's plan is. You got to meditate on what God's plan is for you. And that will lead you inevitably to that, hopefully. And hopefully you accept whatever that that leads you to. Because even if it is terrible and horrible and, and suffering, you have to accept it as God's plan. This is why I was, I remember what I was going to say earlier is, um, so I, we talked about this too earlier, really, Paul Washer, right? Mm-hmm. So I love, yeah. I like Paul Washer. He's helped me in a lot of ways. See, now he didn't tell me that before I started slamming Paul Washer. <laughs> but I mean, 
any man, I'm willing to just be like, yeah, you're a fallible human being and you're not going to be perfect, right? So, like, if I hear a criticism of a man, I'm not the – we were talking about this, too, is it's like some people can go like, man, this guy really helped me. Now I'm going to defend him no matter what from any criticism. I'm going to let you know, anyone, anyone that attacks him, I'm attacking them ten times harder back. And I think you have to just, like, being healthy, you have to take a step back and be like, oh, yeah, maybe he's wrong about that. Mm-hmm. Maybe I don't. Yeah, maybe – I don't know. Yeah. That's a whole other topic, but <laughs> that's a whole well, other one rant. of the you know I I think yeah. this this has come up over the weekend and we've talked about this in the in the fellowship and brotherhood that we've had for a long time, but um, you know somebody said it really well yesterday. I think it, it uh, might have been last night. Is um, you know there, we believe in an objective truth, and you can't have an original thought when there's objective truth. It's already been stated. But what we get to do is express it in, in, in a, a huge multitude of ways, probably not infinite, but a huge multitude of ways, and everyone can make it their own. And then that can be, look, he's given the same message in a different way, and it's going to help you get to that same place. Yeah. Um, and that was my issue with Paul Washer, is that you know, the message he was giving, I believe in it, I just didn't think he was the right person in his, uh, the not charism but his his charisma and 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 that sort of thing it didn't speak to me no problem at all yeah. you know the, the message is correct yeah. but I, I i already knew it at the same time <laughs> i think that was sleepy sean behind you that said it uh yeah, indeed it was <laughs> he's over there embracing sleep nationalism before it's cool sleep nationalism that's right, sean yeah, that's right. <laughs> but but the thing is he's resisting comfort he's not going to bed right he's riding yeah. it out like a man true. yeah i mean this, this actually pumping, yeah. this ta- this you know kind of touches on something that uh you know being a younger guy in a right-wing movement i've had to uh kind of go through it with a lot of people right i mean with a lot of different figureheads right talking heads and everybody went through the ben shapiro and 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 the steven crowder and maybe even like a milo or whoever but uh in this group probably not too many with milo but uh (laughs) you know guys like nick fuentes comes up a lot um you know just a, a handful in that group you've got to be willing to analyze any individual objectively because ultimately every individual is going to fail right so you can't you can't like pick one failure and say oh that guy's terrible you've got to be objective and you have to be honest and you have to be fair and you know for for me particularly the reason well he's not like the whole reason but the majority of the reason that I'm in right-wing politics is because of you know kind of the Groyper wars and and the reason that I got past the gatekeepers right the reason that I actually broke through the gates was because of the Groyper wars and because of you know some of the stuff that they addressed there Um, and so it's hard for me to see not that he's doing the worst job in the world, right? He's still in that positive, but it's hard for me to see some of the mistakes that he's making and that he's made, um, you know, but ultimately prayers up to him. I know he's Catholic, so hope he gets, hope he gets uh, reformed essentially from what he's doing right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, but again, I mean, you know, nothing but the best new guy, so. Yeah. I was going to say, it kind of t- actually ties into like kind of multiple things what we're talking about is like this Paul Washer thing of like the biblical manhood series, I think part one, he talks about the reason why men are suffering is because what the Bible says and what history has always done is like men have apprenticed boys, boys spent time with men to learn how to become men. And in our culture, they've completely flipped that and turned that around where boys are supposed to just stay with boys. They're supposed to be taught by women 
you know, even in the churches, like maybe not in the Catholic church, but like in most American Christian churches, it's like, okay, the adults go to work to the main worship service and the big, the big gathering hall. And here the kids go to the side church with the female, you know, teaching the boys and girls. And then after that on, you know, Monday through Friday, they're going to an elementary school where the women are teaching the boys, you know, and the girls, the same universal thing. And like, our culture is severely lacking like men discipling boys to become men. And then also like what you're talking about with like trades, it's like the same thing. Like we don't even bigger picture than that. Like we don't have apprenticeship. We don't have this idea of like, okay, you're going to do X. Well, here's that person who does X. He's done it his whole life. He knows the ins and outs of it. Go be a go be taught by him, like how to do the job. You know, it's instead go to college, have a woman teach you out of a textbook how to do this thing, you know? And so like, that's, I think a big problem of why boys stay boys. They become toxic males. They don't become righteous masculine men, you know? Um, so yeah, again, with all the failings of Paul Washer, I think like some of those points are just like on it where it's like, yeah, like that guy gets it, you know, he might've be perfect with his answers and his responses and his prescriptions. But like that premise is so true. And in my opinion, it's like undeniable in our American culture. Yeah, no, the the, the message is one hundred percent on, um, and it's it's one of the biggest things that we're we're working on in the New Columbia movement to become a. I hate to use the word because it does make me feel like I'm about to step into the grave, but multi generational uh, fraternity. Yeah. <laughs> uh, hey, what are you saying? Again. What are you saying there? <laughs> uh, you know, being Gen X, I don't even I can't even keep track of the generations that they, anymore. If this is a good. We got a Gen X, a Millennial, and a Gen Z right here. Yeah. We got all three. And uh, at some point, somebody's called the next one Gen Alpha, and I'm just like, they are absolutely not alphas. Yeah. <laughs> not one of them is an alpha. I mean, unless we're talking about like test results for mental illnesses, you know, yeah. Yeah. And they are like top of the top of the line, absolute like front of the pack. Yeah, but. yeah, it's 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 a frightening uh, kind of a thing that it, it's one of those things where where to me the answer seems obvious. And I think to everybody here, probably most of the people listening to us, the answer is obvious. The hard part is how do we get there from from here? And, you know, I go back to why we're building this uh, organization, you know, why we're all part of it, why we're part of the parallel economy, which goes beyond us. But, you know, we always encourage it. Uh, we're always looking for based businesses to work with, um, you know some words that get tossed around here in, in terms of like everybody knows what this is and knows that it's a good thing, which would still probably shock a lot of people. Who are just like, Hey, you got a raw milk guy. I got, I got an egg guy. You got a milk guy. Yep. Uh, and you know, we started talking about when you're homesteading the, when you, when you know you've arrived is when you got a sperm guy on your phone yeah, <laughs> because he's got to come over and impregnate your cattle. Yep. It's like, yeah, so no, I, he's got to come over. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm 19. Uh, we're we're, we're going to bypass that entirely. That's right. That's With right. his trucks full of this fluids. Gen Z's. Yeah, right. Right. Lubricants. Yeah. Apology. Zoomer moment over here. Zoomer moment. Yeah. I apologize. You know, and, and not, and, you know, it, it comes up every now and again is uh, I was raised in all this. Um, <laughs> you know, looking back at the 80s and you're like, oh, it was a good time. It's like you look back at some movies then or whatever. Uh, the humor like no uh, de degenerate it's, it's it you know the old joke about turtles the whole way down it's degenerate the whole way down you know you got to go yeah it's it's not about going back in time it's to go wherever you are god made you be there both geographically and temporally 
And you got to look back. If you want to look back, that's fine because then you can find examples of how to live in that godly way. But it's not like, you know, nobody here is like, let's go back to the night. Well, sometimes we say, let's go back to the 50s, but we mean the 1250s, not the 1950s. Yeah. <laughs> but it's not about, you know, that or like anything like that. 50 AD, like 50. <laughs> yeah, you know, they're running around, they're making zero some 50, yeah. Um, the farther you go back, the better, yeah. Um, but just in terms of, of what we do want to go back to, uh, we do want to turn the, the clock back to a time when it was a, a much more direct and unobstructed path to God rather than this freaking highway to hell, which is what we're on now. I used to love that song, and then I'm like, no, it's 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 really a bad <laughs> sentiment. Really a bad sentiment. Yeah. Wait, that's what it means? <laughs> Wait, what? Yeah. Um, do you think we're living in the best of times or the worst of times? Neither. We're in that really annoying, awkward stage in between. Um, you know, I mean, we're right at the end of the, if you're into the whole like 80 year cycle theory, we're right at the like kind of 65 year mark where not quite at the, the worst of it. Right. But we're still not in the good part and uh, we're definitely not in the bad part yet because the bad part's going to be a lot worse than this. Right. The bad part's going to be you can't go play golf. You can't, you know, drive down the highway without feeling like you're probably going to get robbed or stopped or something. You're not going to be able to do like the the good stuff. Right normal life's going to be a lot harder but we're also not in the good part because in the good part you don't have to worry about whether or not your kid's going to go to school and i don't know either get shot or arguably worse get condemned to an eternity in hell by you know their transgender thing of a teacher you know so jack's still over here thinking he's going to send his kids to school yeah. Exactly. See, yeah. that's the thing. No. I'm definitely not. No. <laughs> Homesteading supremacy. So true. So true. Yeah. I'm sorry. Who's your teacher again? Yeah. You're gonna you're gonna talk about my wife in that manner. <laughs> um. Yeah. I, it, we we do find moments of beauty throughout the day, and of course, we're always in a fallen world. But I would tend to agree, agree with Jack. You know, in look at what we're doing right now. We're able to to record this thing as a great kind of capper to to a, a weekend with some base dudes like i can't think that we're in the worst of times when that can happen yeah. right um and you know that we we've got challenges one of my prayers of gratitude though is when i was you know I'm, I'm not jealous of jack in any way but when i was 19 i was not anywhere near this base yeah <laughs> and you know one of the reasons thank for you, it you. that he did say <laughs> now he did say part of it is environment right well I thank God that he's making all of our enemies so obvious to us. Yeah. It's like, they're just outing themselves. Like they're, you go on Twitter and it's like, okay, I thanks. Yeah. You, you're clearly antichrist and, and thank you for making it so clear. So true. Yeah. Not that I'm on Twitter. Don't go, don't, yeah, don't, 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 do don't, do, do don't do that. Don't do that. Bad idea. No. Yeah. But thank you. Like Ethan Kleinberg for making yourself so obvious to everybody else calling for the bombing of the NRA or whatever that was like, yeah. dude, Thank you for essentially declaring that you're both a fed and an idiot at the same time. You know, like it is like, you know, I mean, kind of my concept there was it's really easy to be this based at 19 when the whole world is like either going to fall down around you or you're just going to try and ignore it. And I'm not the kind of guy I wasn't raised. Thankfully, thankfully, I have a father who is an excellent man. And uh, if he ever hears this, I love you, dad. Um, <laughs> 
but you know, I was raised to be more confrontational than that, right? I was raised to be a little more, uh, I don't know, ha- to have a little more uh, guttural fortitude, right? Going to stand up to somebody who's doing me wrong as opposed to just rolling over and letting them do whatever. It's just, you know, it's a bad deal, right? But like I said, we're not we're not in the bad, bad. We're just in the, like, we're in that, like, so this kind of touches on something that uh, somebody I do like, a commentator I do like uh, named John Doyle talks about a lot. The kind of matriarchal or the, like, womanly bad times, right? It's like the, yeah, you're going to do what I want, and if you don't, I'm going to punish you for it, but I'm not going to do it in a way where you can, like, fight back and make a case against it. It's just going to be really, like, quiet and annoying. And it's going to be this just very, like, womanly and emotional way that I'm going to get mad at you. Not not a fan. Not a fan. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we were talking about it in the other car on the way up and back from the uh, hiking trip. But um, I was saying, like, you know, what a, maybe a couple months back, uh, Dave Rubin posted, you know, publicly that yeah. him and his husband, quote-unquote husband, uh posted that you know they're adopting i think two kids either one kid or two kids you know and so what we saw was just a wave of all these quote-unquote conservatives right lots of air quotes air quotes around all this conservative people congratulating them thanking them saying they're gonna pray for them and so it was like for me i look at that and i just go thank you because now i can just make a note in my phone of like here are all the fake conservatives right. boom 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 like you just publicly displayed mm-hmm. how not christian and how not conservative you are yeah i mean thank you publicly to TV for, for everyone so it much money one thread it was one hashtag you know it was one post like so it's very easy to be like yeah there's evil yeah you know whereas in the past it might have been a little harder you know you might have yeah. said that when actually it wasn't maybe that person was just a little off on a, an opinion or two you know or Salem witch trials, you know, maybe they weren't all witches. Maybe some of them were and deserved it, you know. know, Maybe they're not witches. They might have still deserved some kind of exile from theirs from that society. But like now it's just so obvious. Like you can just see these people for what they are, and it's not even like people are exposing them. They're doing it. They're posting publicly for everyone to see. So yeah, it is like thank you, evil, for showing your face. Like thinking that you're safe right now in this environment. Because then us can we can see that. We can see there's evil right there. We can point at it. We can label it. We can put a note in our phone and remember it, you know, and not be deceived the next time they try to pretend not to be evil. One of the things Jack said, I just want to return back to and uh, talk a little bit about myself again because I'm my own favorite topic. Uh, <laughs> you said your dad taught you, yeah. taught you to be strong in yourself and confrontational when you need to be. And um, that's a really important quality to have. You know, both the discernment to know when you need to be confrontational and the, you know, kind of inner um, inner strength to do it. it. It does help to be kind of trained in ways because you get that confidence. But I know a lot of high T guys that kind of look small and they're very confrontational or willing to be. Um, one of the things that church taught, Catholic churches, I will bag on that because I am Catholic, and that's where I think I can direct my ire. Most of them preach passivity. It's, you know, a a masculine presence is not welcome there. Um, You know, you talk about, maybe we need to arm churches because you got, in Texas, for example, um, I don't know, it was a couple years ago maybe, some guy tried to, to 
uh, bring a rifle and, and shoot people up in Texas and there was some armed security. And, you know, if you talk about that in the Catholic Church, it's going to be, Beauregard, fetch me my paint, fainting couch. <laughs> uh, just, be, you know, because they, 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 they worship passivity. And this is a real problem. And this is where you get a feminine man. And I've had to teach myself to be yeah. confrontational. And, you know, a phrase I'm sure you're familiar with, but maybe it's new to some of our listeners, some of your listeners, uh, I'm already taking ownership, yeah. uh, is, uh, you know, conflict is the air we breathe, is the water in which we swim. Absolutely. And as, especially as Christians in a fallen world, you have to internalize that. So, you know, his dad did him a great service by teaching him to be that way. I think that's something that every single father should pass on to their sons. And, and if you see, you get maybe got a nephew who's not learning that from his dad, uh, or you encounter kids, maybe you're a coach, you know, that's another way that you can be a role model and, and say, here's what a man is. Uh, we got all kinds of movies about how great coaches are. Uh, so be it, you know, but one of those things that you got to teach him is, is standing up for yourself, standing up for, for the Christian way of life. You know, um, a big thing for New Columbia movement is being pro-life and we're not just anti-abortion, you know, we're, we're stem to stern life at every stage. Um, and you know, you get pushback on that. You go to the, to the marches and, and there's demonic presences there. You know, you can't get scared. You, you, yeah. you know, um, there, now this was said by an economist, so I get it. His name is Ludwig von Mises. And he said, do not give in to evil, but proceed ever more boldly against it. I think, you know, that's exactly what we got to do. Yeah. And I love, I mean, it's a very misquoted verse, right? Where Jesus says, I came not to bring peace, but a sword. But it still is the same context of like, I didn't come to make everyone unified and friendly with each other. I came to divide good from evil. I came to pit communities against each other, families against each other, friends against each other, because those who accept and love me will be divided and will have to face conflict with those who don't. It's inevitable, right? Like you can't back away from that and shy from that and be like, man, I wish this wasn't the case, man. Let's just tolerance. Let's just tolerate each other. Let's just get along. That was actually a bit of a cringe moment this morning. Do you you remember that? It was like, that was another one of those. I had to like stop myself from just like speaking. It was like, you've been, you've been 98% 98 good father, but that was uh, a moment where I had to stop being like, Oh, but tolerance isn't a Christian virtue. Like, and then also another moment, flip side was when he said i forget exactly what he said something about the, the men and women and yeah. i was like i had yeah. to st- physically stop myself from being like based yeah, yeah. <laughs> like conflict based and then like yeah. the other one was like uh but and then it's like oh that's it's not my place this is not my right. church you know this is not you know this is if, if you're getting a priest that's that based you you, you know you're in business yeah. stick with that priest <laughs> yeah. you know yeah, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, and I mean, and you know, kind of going back to what we were saying earlier, and like similarly, like I mean, Christ was not weak; he was not effeminate. He was like the most logical, reasonable, just pr- speaker of the truth, and he is the epitome of love. And love is telling people the truth they need to hear. I would love, love is not see... saying it's okay that you're fat and degenerate, and you know being ignorant on purpose and seeking yeah. comforts and pleasures real love is saying like you need to overcome this evil because you're about to suffer for eternity like real love is saying hey man i want you with me in heaven overcome yeah. this stuff you know and that's 
not nice. That's not it is very peace, not love nice. and happiness and everyone's holding hands together. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like, no, you need to look evil in the face and say you're evil and you need to change. And here's the way you change. Yeah, there's and it's going to cause conflict. And like you're saying, like you have to run head first into that conflict. We can't back away and shy away and be like, well, Jesus loved everyone. It's like, yes. And he loved them so much that he told them to their faces that they were degenerate sinners who needed to be saved. Yeah, he they told women to their face. You are a dog. <laughs> like, yeah. You are basically a dog. And that woman was like, yeah, yeah, yeah you're right. Yeah. Like, you know, all these examples come up and people talk about, well, Jesus went to the, the tax collectors, you know, which at that time was a profession, which was basically a, a kind of a scam in, in a way. A traitor to their, to yeah. their country. Yeah. Um, and, and, and the whores and whatnot. It's like, yeah, because they needed to be saved. Right. They needed. And doctor. he also pointed out how the Pharisees were hypocrites and they got nowhere to go. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, also stop. Um, but you know, it's not as if they, they, the, the whores and the, and the tax collectors and, and the thieves and whatnot are especially appointed. It's just like, they need it the most. However, at the same time, you know, in that time they were probably realizing that they had degenerate, horrible lives because they were not getting supported by the, the, um, secular society around them. And now we talk in the words of like sex work and this and that. Um, of course the IRS, Hey. <laughs> Actually, the, I, I I can't say anymore. City group, uh, yeah, city group. That's a good one. You know, all these bankers and whatnot. Yeah. Um, the Federal Reserve, Fed, yeah, <laughs> the Feds of all Fed. Um, they, you know, you you can be a degenerate and get a great deal of acceptance. In fact, as a degenerate, you'll get more acceptance in secular society than a righteous man. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and and so now it's you know, this this is why it's it's both harder but more important for us to be out there with that loving Christian message and be like, Look, dude, you can't be getting high all the time. Yeah. Like you, you are <laughs> Yeah. You, you don't even have an apartment anymore, you know. Um living couch to couch. And they don't want to hear it. And it's like, well, you know, we leave him alone, he's fine. He's like, No, he's not fine. Yeah. He, he needs God. He's sick and he needs a doctor. Yeah. And here's the doctor. And, and you know Here that's an obvious that's an obvious form of degeneracy, but the materialism is a very celebrated. Hey, it's great to be rich, you know. Who doesn't talk about um, Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk? You know, sometimes they talk about Elon Musk because they think he's kind of a, um, you know, the the making fun of other people that we don't like. He's like, oh, he's got the red pill and this and that. It's like, oh, whatever. But anyway. Why are you paying attention to him? It's always because he's the richest man in the world. Jack That's shakes why. his head vehemently. Nah, yeah. I mean, Elon's... Elon's no, he's a, he's, he's a meme, meme yeah. guy. Like, he really is nothing but a meme at this point. Yeah. He's like... he's. Yeah. But the only reason the normies pay attention to him is because he's materially very successful. Yeah. Now, there's a variety of reasons to that. I don't know if we're quite ready to get there with our listeners. Um, but <laughs> but we can definitely go down some rabbit holes with, well, why is Elon so you know rich and whatnot? Um, why is this the always oh, just these few guys? But you can't be, you know, take it to a less extreme example. The very successful lawyer, uh, and you know, drives the the Mercedes and that sort of thing, has this great big house. Like none of that matters in the end, and that is a very easy trap to get into. That is yeah. very easy yeah. to cheer for as well, because like, well, I want to drive a nice car and know that I'm going to sleep comfortably for the rest of my life. Of course, I want that. But as Jack pointed out earlier, that way lay Satan. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, anything where the end goal is comfort, you can pretty well guarantee yourself that you're pursuing the wrong thing. 
right? I mean, anything, anything where now I'll say I don't think that pursuing wealth is necessarily antithetical to a Christian lifestyle, as long as your intention with that wealth is to be fruitful. Essentially, is to essentially like use it as a tool and not as some form of comfort and not as some form of like, you know, padding, right? As long as you're not pursuing a comfortable lifestyle with that wealth, then wealth is pretty well morally ambivalent. But when it comes to people who pursue wealth as a means for comfort, people who pursue the, you know, kind of like rich guy lifestyle of, of like, you know, mogging all the plebs with your new Mercedes and your Rolex, like, dude, shut up. Nobody cares. <laughs> Literally no one cares, you know. Somebody could key your car tomorrow. It would cost you $50,000 to get it painted. You're wasting your time, okay? Let it go. God is the only way to actually be fulfilled for a long period of time, namely your entire life and eternity. So figure that out, and then we'll be okay. I bet that yeah. guy would be desperate for a weekend like we just had. Oh, I'm absolutely. up tomorrow. Yeah. That guy has no real friends. That guy has a bunch of leeches. That's it. Wealth, wealth, huh. wealth is a is a very long, complicated, you know, topic. But yeah, well, I always like to separate the concept of money and wealth, and people use those as like interchangeable. But like, you know, when Jesus says like you can't serve two masters, you can't serve money and me, right? Right. He doesn't mean like wealth, right? He doesn't mean like you get money and you spend it on building a farm and pay, you know, like putting clothes on your children's back and but like if you're taking the money and you're worshiping the money, you're worshiping the tool, you're idolizing this thing, this physical possession, that's the problem. Not taking that possession and using it to spread the gospel, using it to advance society, like using it for righteous purposes. Like wealth to me is like having children. It's like growing your own food. It's like wealth to me is like this fellowship like this is wealth like we're exchanging wealth right now with each other like just being together this weekend like and that's not currency we're not paying each other to be here and bribing each other to be here but this is like this is wealth like fellowship family like health you know there's to me wealth is not just monetary like so i tend to try to do that but that's also just one of those things where it's like in our english language it's become it's, so interchangeable yeah. and silly and stupid and whatever but one of the things that's going to characterize guys like us and the New Columbia movement and probably most of the people listening to this and what you have to be open to if you just stumbled across this for the first time, you're like, oh, these guys are right-wing fanatics. Like, well, yeah, but that, that's true. We are. Correct. <laughs> However, what do we mean by that is we don't mean we want to be violent or anything. None of us are violent here. We actually are probably pacifists for the most part. Uh, we will defend the true, the beautiful, and the good. Um, what we really mean is that we're all interested in building. And we're building wealth in all the ways that you just said. We want to have, like, we want to be each other's raw milk guy because we all want to have homesteads. And we all, you know, want to uh, serve the Lord in, in our ways. And most of them want to have families. Some of them want to be, you know, for example, my discernment right now as I'm trying to discern if I'm going to be a priest or not but whatever it is I'm going to be that kind of a role uh, whether or not it's, it's it's officially at that level but everybody here is building they're building that community but it's a parallel community we're not interested in your fancy pants and your lollipops what we're interested in is you know the fellowship with each other bringing each other 
on that path to faith because it's a narrow road. It's pointed out very yeah. clearly. It's a narrow road, yeah. and we're inviting each other onto it. Uh, but at the same time, we're trying to hold each other onto it. We're like, man, you're, you're kind of slipping. You're getting off the path there. You know, let me help you back onto it. And that's an element of how we can use uh, uh, money and other forms of wealth is by building those communities. We're like, look, everybody here is on this road. Uh, it's a you know road to, to to God's path, or that is God's path. So you know, we're, we're never interested in destroying. That's never our thing. We're always interested in preserving. Like, why are we so pro-life? You know, and and not just anti-abortion. Yeah. Because we're always building that thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. Very well said. Um. I guess, kind of like a lightning round. You want to do like a, kind of a lightning round on a bunch of other topics? Absolutely. Um. Welcome to the hot seat. In the hot seat. <laughs> As Sean blocks the, the fire with from just <laughs> like yes and no the, answers. That's blocks it. the heat. <laughs> the physical heat. <laughs> Should Christians own guns? Yes. Yes. All of them. As many as you can afford reasonably. <laughs> all Christians. be able to do some serious damage. Yes. All Christians should own all, should own all guns so that nobody else can. Correct. <laughs> Correct. Sell World your cloak peace. and buy a sword. Yeah. Yeah. Is porn a sin? Yes. Yes. It's also evil. It's also just <laughs> disgusting poison. Do not watch that crap. Yeah. And, and proceed against those who would produce it. Correct. They're violating those women. They're violating the men, too, but they're violating the women. They're just destroying something that's beautiful. Go look up uh, who owns MindGeek, by the way. Yeah. Who produces the porn? Yeah. Inquiring <laughs> minds want to know. I wonder, I wonder who it is. I wonder how big their hats are. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Probably not very. <laughs> Doesn't cover up much. It's just not very fun. Those hats are just not very functional. Can I just no. side note? Yeah. I mean, no, I, I want a hat that's really serving a purpose. Keep like, the sun or the rain yeah, out of my I mean, eyes. Yeah, something. Come on. What's with the like, the, like passively sideburns? I don't really. Yeah. There's some some strange fashion choices that right, uh, right. That, in, that are involved in the porn industry. Yeah. <laughs> Only a certain <laughs> group. Is alcohol cool or not? Nah? It's not cool. I'm 19. <laughs> yeah, no comment. No comment. One, one, one of these. Uh, That's a clown question, bro. <laughs> um, do you believe in ghosts? Yes. Ooh, yeah. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. Spiritual world and physical manifestations. Yeah, big time. Side note: Have you ever seen one or experienced like uh, that? No. Personally, no. A lot of secondhand accounts, but personally, no. I've had some experiences that um, I I think were past spirits of people who love me that were trying to direct me in a certain way, but it wasn't like a physical manifestation. It was um, I would hear my mom's voice well after she had passed telling me this or that, like calling my name which was, I think, probably just a figment of my imagination. It's like, that's just a memory. But, like, telling me words that she'd never used in that sequence before. Yep. That's powerful. Did dinosaurs exist? No. Mm, oh, wait, 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 wait. No, it's dinosaur juice. Right. Yeah, they had to exist because then we wouldn't have oil without them. Right. Yes. Absolutely. So, so I mean... As the founder of the, uh, as one of the founders of New Columbia Movement, I I like dinosaurs. Dinosaurs are real. I like Utah <laughs> Raptors. <laughs> Rawr. Dinosaurs. 
Uh, how I'm gonna, old? I'm gonna get you some Dino Nuggies later. Dino Nuggies. Whether or not they existed at whatever time they were supposed to, they, that they tell us they existed. You can argue that, but I like dinosaurs. <laughs> so dinosaurs existed. Yeah. That is now NCN dogma. Rawr. I I like dinosaurs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, I like turtles. Yeah. Yep. How old is Earth? Ooh. I I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Is Earth round? (laughs) Yeah, next question. Globe Earth or flat Earth? Mm. Are you a globe tard or a flat tard? (laughs) (laughs) See, that's 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 actually my position. Both are retarded because it doesn't matter at all. It just doesn't matter. Right? Why would anyone care if the earth is round? No one cares. You live here, do something. Yeah, I, I, I really don't know. I'm with Jack on this one. Uh, I will add, though, something's up in Antarctica. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. We should be able to go down the ice there. wall. Yeah. <laughs> hey, if you want to go freeze to death, that's your business. I am a libertarian in the sense that you can kill yourself if you want to by being stupid. You can't actually kill yourself. Right. That's 100% acceptable. <laughs> but if you end up dying because you want to go to Antarctica, that's not really the government's position. Maybe I'm going to tell you, hey, man, it's, it's for sure really cold there. Yeah, for sure. So let's take precautions. Yeah. I want to go find the ice pyramids, though. Like, come yeah. on. Yeah. You know, as we talked about earlier, there's pyramids everywhere. There's got to be some down there, too. Yeah, Maybe, sure. the, like, the mother pyramid is in Antarctica. Oh, for that's sure. What, for sure. That's what we can't find. No, that's where the entrance to... Uh, okay, never mind. I'm, yeah, I'm going to stop there. Crazy, <laughs> crazy conspiracy theory is that the, yep. the biggest pyramid on Earth is at the uh, North Pole. Because it's the center of the circular flat. Oh, maybe that's yeah. Maybe like that's the ticket. That but I think people have actually been there that are not like government agents. No, no, no. The North Pole is the stump of the tree, don't you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's the garden. It's the garden we're no longer allowed to go to. Uh, uh, number one turtle. What well, side note too? Just some, just something to throw out there. Just something I've noticed in the last couple of years is Satanists seem to universally be globe darts. Hmm. Correct. Makes mm-hmm. just the science. Just 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 putting it out there. Just, there that I, actually, come to your own I conclusions talk, on that. But I, have I, you I, noticed how a Satanist is never a flat earther? I love my science. <laughs> and they they, they <laughs> also suspicious. They do Isn't that, that yeah, if suspicious. I can if I can like touch on that for like a minute here. Yeah. So secularism and Satanism are literally one to one. John Doyle talks about this a lot. He's got a thirty minute video talking about it. But secularism is almost exclusively the result of Satanism because Satan is the prince of the world and he pretty much controls our view of what occurs in God's creation. And so if you follow a secular worldview, if you follow a secular like you know perspective, you are going to become a Satanist. You are going to become evil. Don't do that. It's bad. Yep. Because Satan bad. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Right. Anything that's not a biblical worldview. Do you wash your apples? Yes. I just peel them. Ooh, knife or teeth or hand? Uh, with a potato peeler. <laughs> you lose Good the call. least amount of apple. Now, if I have to eat it with the skin on, and I do, I do, I'll uh, just wipe it off with my yeah. hands or whatever. Because, like, if you pick it out of the tree and then, well, I guess other, eh, I haven't really thought about that, but I guess other people are, like, handling it, so. If you get organic apples, don't wash them, but you can use the peels, and then you put them in a, in a jug of apple cider, and then, uh, well, no, you can get um, an apple beverage of an alcohol variety from that. Is my mic working? Yeah, I guess it is. Okay. I didn't see the lights light up last night. My bad. 
Yeah, we'll talk after. I'm, I'm confused by what's happening. Cross my fingers and hoping it all worked. Yeah, I hope so. Because <laughs> this was great. But straws, do they have one hole or two holes? They are one hole. They are one <laughs> long cylindrical hole. You sure? Are you sure about that? Correct. I am sure. I am absolutely certain. I, I, it has become clear to me in the past 33 seconds that this will be the topic that divides NCM. <laughs> oh, no. You heard this it here. The, this <laughs> is the beginning of the Civil War. Uh, one hole nationalist, two hole <laughs> <laughs> We now have to balkanize over this. Yep. <laughs> Are you sure? What, 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 I'm not sure. Uh, uh, no, I, you know, there's, there's, there's an entry and an exit. That's pretty clear. But which end is the entry and which end is the exit? Now, with bendy you know, uh, straws, there's a guaranteed entry and exit. Yeah. But with a regular straw. <laughs> you know, un, un, unlike with human anatomy. With a crazy straw that does like the <laughs> See, with, loops oh, Whichever, whichever oh, end my is God. longer is the, is the, uh, I guess the entry. With, with human anatomy, it's very clear which is the entry and which is the exit, and neither right. should ever be used right. in yeah. the inappropriate way. Exactly. With a straw. With a straight straw, you get to decide when you pull it out. But then once your decision is made, that's the end of it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Once it's in the cup None of this you've flippy used flip. it one particular way, yeah. you can't turn it over. In fact, if I see that, I'm just going to knock that drink right <laughs> out of your hand. I'm gonna No, I'm not even going to knock it out of your hand. I'm going to take it out of your hand. I'm going to take the straw out, and I'm going to make you like empty the straw. And then I'm going to throw the straw away, and I'm going to get you a new straw. Okay. Jack Jack is definitely uh, the, the politician here. You know, yeah. He's like, I'm going to work with you. I, I will help you through this. Mm-hmm. I will say I was a, I was a one-hole kind of guy for a while. I kind of go back and forth. Like, oh, that's a good point. Someone was like, oh, someone once when I asked this was like, it's an infinite amount of holes technically, right? Like if you buy all the quantum physics kind of stuff or is it really three holes or is it really like blah, blah, blah. Where's the I've pretty much hole? always led on the one hole until someone gave me the response of if you start digging a hole in the ground, it's one hole. Right. And you're digging a hole and you're digging a hole. You're you're looking at one hole until you reach the other side. Like you come out on China, you come out of China. Right. Now there's two holes. Well, we come that's out of one. That kind of makes sense. No, to me. See, that that's one. You tunnel. went from having we, one we hole. Come out of whatever civilizations in the middle of the earth. Yeah. Correct. You'd come out at Hyperborea. I want you right. to yeah. <laughs> I guess Agartha, but you know, yeah. something like that. Be yeah. in the right. shield. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is there a synonym for the word synonym? Uh, no. There might be, but I don't know it. Not that I'm aware <laughs> of. Oh, you guys are failing this test miserably. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm pretty good at failing tests. <laughs> have you ever experienced or seen your neighbors carrying in their groceries? I have. I did the other day. I've been paying attention to this. I saw you my neighbors the other day. Yeah. Is it Was it real or hologram? Probably a hologram. <laughs> yeah. The Antichrist I, knew that I was paying too much attention. He was like, he knows. Shut it down. Up on shut the it simulation down. And it had to like alter the uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> the story mode. Yep. Boy, they shut it down. <laughs> the yep. Goya know too much. Do you trust China? No. To do what? Just do you trust China? No. I, mean, what? <laughs> I like, trust them to be China, <laughs> which is a bad thing for us. Yeah. I trust them to abuse their own citizens, but that's about it. Yeah. You know, I trust them to be like generally not good. They no. they don't care uh, about us or their own citizens. They got their own thing that they're doing, and I trust them to keep doing it. Right. Are pandas real? It's just a black bear with white paint, or a white bear with black <laughs> paint. It's one of the two. <laughs> <laughs> were, Maybe 
were panda did pandas exist before 1942 when they were supposedly discovered in a Chinese uh, jungle? Uh, no. I have to check with Dear Leader <laughs> and see a, if he I'm likes pandas or not. Strong no stance. <laughs> they uh, they made them in a lab, just like something else that recently came out of China. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> <laughs> Have else got the snipples? Yeah. <laughs> M-Pox. No, I'm kind of getting I'm kind of getting itchy, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um is Russia taking over the world? No. Negative. <laughs> I mean, like no, dude. You know, their military yeah. is largely incompetent, but I don't know. Putin's kind of cool, I guess. Not really. I don't I don't view Putin as a um a Soviet I think he's an old imperialist Russian. I tend to agree. And they will have their empire back, but their empire has limits. Um, there's, there's, you know, one of the problems is we always, in our media and whatnot, interpret things as if that people were like us. But the Russians are a very special people. Like, they're not like anybody else. They want something... I don't know what it is. I think, you know, part, if you look at their literature, um, they just want to dwell on dying, apparently. Um, <laughs> they want to they be miserable. Just, they really, yeah. Maybe it's something to do with the vodka. Maybe it's the vodka. Maybe it's the terrible food. I don't know. The cold. That's what it is. It, it is bitter cold there. Uh-huh. But, you know, let's not analyze them with our lens. First of all, let's try to understand them. Uh, but are they a threat in, in to the world? You know, no. They... They they have no logistics, is this, you know to project power. They have logistics locally on their own borders for sure, but to project power in a way that would threaten us here. <clears throat> We've discussed this. Yeah. Come on, Nick. You <laughs> know nu- nuclear is not a thing. Yeah, next hot seat question: Are nuclear weapons real? No, no. <laughs> absolutely not. No. Improv hot seat question. Great, great big bombs are real. Nuclear. I'm I'm, I'm going to go ahead and doubt it. Yeah, I just you know I'm a I'm a nuclear denier. <laughs> yeah. Nuclear, um, more like nuclear. <laughs> I love when people say nuclear. It makes no sense. Is does racism exist? Yeah, and it's based. <laughs> Hot. That's a joke. That's a funny joke. <laughs> in Minecraft. Yeah. Right. Racism is good in Roblox. <laughs> yeah. Racist. If if you understood if you understand it as uh. You know, sort of. Um, I like people who are like me. In group preference is the phrase. One hundred percent. It it is fine because it's very natural for people to do. It's just like engineers like to hang out with engineers. They speak a similar language. So in that way, um, you know, in the other way, it's just like, are we racist or do we just notice patterns? I don't know. Am I anti-Semitic? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe a little. Am I racist? I'm just noticing patterns. (laughs) Maybe there's just a a median behavior. See, that's the thing is like I'm a statistician as well. So I'm like there's a median behavior and then there's extremes. Don't try to disprove the median by appealing to the extremes. You know, yes, that monkey is extremely intelligent, but it's not a human. It's still a monkey. That's right. Because most monkeys are like this. And you're still not supposed to have sex with it. Please don't touch the monkeys. <laughs> Leave the monkeys in the jungle where they belong. And Please. also return to monkey. Mm-hmm. Um, That's a question. That is a question. <laughs> we didn't come from monkey, so we can't return to monkey. Yeah. 
return to monkey? How about you return to Christ? <laughs> yeah. I like that. Amen. And two more questions here. Are you voting for Donald Trump in 2024? You presume I'm voting, and you also presume <laughs> that voting will be a thing in 2024. I can't vote, and there's two reasons possibly why. One is convicted felon. The other one is not a citizen. I'll let the reader decide. <laughs> but even if I to elaborate. <laughs> uh, even if I could vote, and I will be able to by then, uh, as long as I don't get booted out of the country, I would not. Um, voting is agreeing with democracy. And we all know democracy is awful. Just awful. Yeah, yeah it really is not good. Uh, favorite quote here. Democracy is cringe. Read some Aristotle. Agreed. <laughs> and final last question here is, did you have fun tonight? Absolutely. <laughs> this, is, this is a blast. Yeah, <laughs> The best podcast host I've ever had. Oh, stop. Just yeah. stop. But also continue, but <laughs> then stop and then continue again. No, I, I let, let me let me give this uh, a thought on this. It was awesome. <laughs> yeah, amazing. For sure. Amazing. For sure. <laughs> beautiful man. Thanks guys. Thanks for doing this. Thanks for letting me come on this uh, beautiful weekend retreat. This is great. I'll give a party thought if you want to put this in a recording or not. Yeah. Um. Yeah. You know, I I've known of. Jonathan Corey through different, uh, you know, online events. We've been, you know, at a few different things together. Real pleasure to finally meet you, uh, IRL, you know, <laughs> as we say these days. But uh, there's nothing like meeting your buds for real and doing bud stuff. Yeah. We used to do this all the time, uh, you know, 20 years ago. And uh, you guys, you got to get out there. You got to go be, be with your buds, yeah. number one. do this again next year uh, <laughs> this time we won't fall off the boat while whitewater rafting and don't get me maybe started. the hike will be uh not five miles <laughs> but maybe three <laughs> maybe 15 yeah, i'm thinking like i think i think next year maybe uh just different people will fall out of the boat <laughs> right right Modernity has corrupted freedom. We have decayed as a society. Return to beauty. Return to honor. Return to tradition. Thank you.